This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless this is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 667 with Kimberly Didrickson. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 667. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Kimberly Didrickson is the founder of Learning Motherhood, a consultancy agency and online community platform that helps women returning to work after having a baby from feeling overwhelmed with motherhood and career to thriving in navigating the changes that occur when becoming a mother and also pursuing a career. Kimberly spent 15 years growing her career at a Fortune 100 company and as a director managed teams with portfolios of over 20 million in yearly sales, yet nothing prepared her for growing and birthing a child and returning to work. Determined to change how mothers are supported through the transition back to work, Kimberly created Learning Motherhood. Her passion runs deep in transforming the workplace to support working parents by also providing programs to assist organizations in creating a work environment that embraces families to strengthen company values. She is a workplace advocate for family-friendly policies, including parental leave for all and national paid leave programs. Listening to hear Kimberly share how she's reclaiming her unicorn space, you know I love some unicorn space, how her career was massively connected to her identity and idea of success prior to having kids, how motherhood played tricks on her identity, the significance of millions of moms leaving the workforce during the pandemic, 
the specific long-term impact on the future of work when we consider moms leaving the workforce in droves, the significance of men being part of the parental leave conversation and actually taking their parental leave, why parental leave should be gender neutral, not labeled maternity or paternity leave, and steps you can take to speak up and ask questions about parental leave in your workplace. Oh, so much goodness in this conversation. I learned a lot. I definitely learned some really important new nuance to this conversation. So I'm really, really grateful for the work that Kimberly is doing. I want to say like, I feel hopeful. I do feel hopeful. I think that there, this is a hard, hard topic. It's a really big topic and it doesn't feel like progress is being made very quickly for working parents. But I think that we have people like Kimberly who have such acute awareness of this problem that they're coming up with incredible solutions. And Kimberly is one of those people who is in it. She's in the trenches. She's a solution creator, which is going to ultimately position her. It is positioning her to be someone who shifts and shapes culture in the workplace in a really significant way. And for that, I'm, I'm really excited. So with all that, please join me in welcoming Kimberly Dudrickson to the Shameless Mom Academy. Kimberly, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk today and just talk about motherhood and career. Yes, yes. I'm excited to continue this conversation. And I'm going to out myself and tell people that we met a while ago through Madeline Pratt of the Fearless Foundry. Shout out, Madeline. And when we got on the call today, I introduced myself like as if we'd never met before. So, <laughs> Just a shameless mom moment of like me, me being like, it's so nice to meet you. And then that when you were so kindly, um, well, we've met before. <laughs> I know like anyone with mom brains, like, oh, I've been there. <laughs> exactly. I don't take offense at all. Actually, I, it's so funny. I'm really good with faces. Honestly, it's crazy how much memory I have related to a face but when it comes to names, I really struggle with names. Mm. So I could see you and be, I know you, but then I would completely blank on your name. So <laughs> all relatable, all relatable. Yeah. So I want to dig in and I want you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Yeah. So I'm really excited to sort of, <laughs> I think parents, moms can relate to this, just feeling like I'm finally rising from like the insanity of the first couple of years of motherhood. And while I love them, I'm excited to kind of bring up my head and lift my head up for air here. And, you know, I'm really into a lot of things that Eve Rodsky writes about. And so I'm going to reference that I'm very excited to reclaim my unicorn space some more and really get to do things that were really hard when you're in the trenches of early motherhood. And, you know, as you shared, I have a three-year-old, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. So, and when I went into the pandemic, I had a one and a half-year-old, a four-year-old and- yeah. And a kinder I had. And so, you know, I was actually feeling like I was coming up for air a little bit at the end of 2000, what was it? 18. 
19? Wait, yeah. I mean, they all 19? blend together now, right? No, they, totally, <laughs> totally. 2019, I thought I was, I was so excited to go to concerts and like mm-hmm. reclaim some of the things that I felt like I was really yearning for. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to explore more is finding more time for that. And I'm excited about it. I love it. I have to go back to your reference. So first of all, did you say unicorn time? What was the unicorn reference? Unicorn space. Unicorn space. And tell me about this concept and you referenced a name. So I'm assuming this is a philosophy of someone's. Yeah. So Eve Rodsky wrote. Eve Rodsky. That name is familiar. Tell me. Yeah. So she wrote a book called Fair Play. And it's all about sort of the experience that unfortunately really falls on mothers related to the domestic work inside the house and Mm -hmm. also how that is distributed between yourself and your partner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just research-based information that says predominantly this falls on women, which we've seen and how to reclaim you know, your time and really have your partner take on more of the mental load and so much more. I mean, it's pretty profound book to read. And inside that book, it talks about reclaiming your right to be interesting and related to this idea of unicorn space, your space, your, you as a person outside of being a mother, outside of being an employee, outside of having being a partner, but really just having, you know, what lights you up outside of all those other things before you went down this road of creating a family. It's really kind of like gets you thinking about some things that when you're in the trenches of motherhood, it seems impossible to think about. So yeah, I highly encourage both books. I encourage reading both books. I love it. And as soon as you mentioned the name, or the title, I was like, oh yeah, I've heard that book. And I actually remember it was a guest, Elise Bowie that brought it up. And she even said at the beginning of the interview, she's like, I'm probably going to talk a lot about it's it's fair play. Right. Yeah. She's like, I'm probably going to talk a lot about fair play. And I was like, again, not remembering (laughs) this is the theme of the day, me not remembering anything. And I was like, I don't think I've heard of it. And she was like, oh, you're going to want to read it right after this. And I'm now recalling that I was like, I need to go read that immediately. And I haven't done it yet. So I'm so glad like the universe is screaming at me. <laughs> yeah. You got to read it. But also I like to say this for ages and stages of where <sighs> parents are, mothers are in terms of their availability to read a book. Mm. It's the audio. Yes. You know, thank you for saying that. Cause I think that's like an accessibility piece. That's really important. I was actually laying in bed thinking about this last night because there was another book I was thinking about that. I was like, Oh, I keep meaning to read that. And it's related to something that I'm going to be doing soon. And there's not an audiobook for it. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. I'm going to fit this in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so conditioned to audiobooks being this really amazing passive way of learning, which is I've really leveraged in the last few years. So I want to talk about career, uh, which you mentioned, that's what we're, we're here to talk about career today. So I want to hear your kind of career story and why career has been important to you and what that's meant to you in terms of identity. But I also want to acknowledge that the, like the destruction, the absolute like decimation of careers for women in the last couple of years, especially for moms. And because there's such a big part of our identity. So there's so many implications of what has happened for moms careers, especially in the last couple of years. And I think what we're going to recognize over the next couple of decades as a side effect is 
the like grieving the loss of identity when we lose something that or have to shift something that is so significant to the core of who we are. So can you talk about career for you and what your career meant to you before having children? It was everything. It was the way I felt accomplished in so many ways. And it was a huge driver on what I would term as success. So, you know, I worked in a, so I'll back up for a second. So I, um, always wanted to go into business and in high school, I just, this is going to sound really, really odd for many, especially considering the topic of career and motherhood. But at the time I was naive to a lot of things, but I wanted to work in an office and wear a suit and just like, sort of like, I don't know, be in a different place than where I was at the time. So it was really motivating for me to go to business school and understand how to get there and go to a college that had such a high rate of placement after um, finishing graduation or after graduating. And that's exactly what I did. I set my mind to it. That's exactly what happened. And I worked for a company for 15 years that was in explosive growth on the West Coast. And I ended up getting access to working in an entrepreneurial spirit of an organization that actually had the backing of a very large company, which I worked for a Fortune 100 company. And so they were building out a division of the company and programming. And it was really exciting and fun. And I got access to very senior level people within the organization. And it felt really good. It felt validating of all the work I put in to get to that point. It felt exciting because the potential felt endless. And, you know, whatever I put my mind to, I felt like I could make happen. So, you know, career for me was directly aligned with what I coined as quote unquote success. Mm -hmm. Which I think is not an uncommon connection or identity point for a lot of women. And I know for me, it was around entrepreneurship, like before my son was born, like I was so proud of having built something and created something. And it was such a huge piece of my identity. And I couldn't imagine that shifting, like that was my baby. And it sounds like for you, it was like your job in corporate was your baby. Like that was the thing that you gave all your attention to. How did that shift? How did your mindset change around your career after having kids? What's interesting is that it didn't even shift while I was pregnant, by the way. Like I just, I was interviewing for a national leadership position that was being created to support the entire country, which would require travel. And I just really thought like, wow, amazing. I'm going to be a parent and this is going to be an incredible addition to our lives. I never, ever thought that it would question everything for me and play tricks on my identity that I had never experienced. I never had like mental health challenges or anything related to navigating some sort of depression. Those things had never happened in my life, nor had I seen it around me. So when I had our son, I felt like I was smacked in the face with motherhood in a way that I didn't anticipate. I anticipated it to be easy. And I know everyone can be like laughing on the other end of their earbuds right now, but 
it was by far the opposite. And all the love I had did not mask the hard moments that I experienced with my identity and just the physical pain of the recovery um, mm-hmm. in that fourth trimester. And it sent me into a de- postpartum depression as I was navigating this idea of how could I possibly turn return back to work? I don't, like the makeup of my brain feels different. Yeah. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. That makes so much sense to me that I think is 
so relatable. I know that before my son was born, and it sounds like we're similar in this way, I didn't see that my entire life slash identity would be flipped upside down. I thought that like, to your point where you're like, we're going to have this nice little addition. Like we would just add this little thing. So it was like, there was just kind of like an extra piece of pie on the plate. And the analogy that I always use is like, the baby is not an extra piece of pie. The baby is like the entire pie. <laughs> like, and then there's no room for any other pieces. <laughs> like there's no room. And that's where I think the mindset um, and the identity crisis can happen is nobody warns you for that. Nobody warns you of that. And nobody t- prepares you for how all encompassing it is. And it's not just from like all of your time or all of your energy or all of your bodily functions being compromised in ways you didn't expect. It really is. Your brain is different and you can't prepare for that. Even if you, and I think for me as a high achiever, I was like, if someone says I can't prepare for something like hashtag, watch me, I'm going to totally prepare for this and I'm going to rock it. And I'm going to be an even better entrepreneur. I remember my financial planner saying to me when I was pregnant, something about preparing for like my business income to go down the year after my son was born. And I was like, Oh, that's not happening. (laughs) Like watch me have it be the most successful year ever. And it was, and it was also the hardest year of my life. (laughs) So incredibly trying. Yeah. And you know, I think so in our learning motherhood return to work series, we actually like our first topic is identity for that reason that you just shared. Like no one tells you what this is. And, you know, I think a part of it is, is you don't really like a hundred percent understand it until you're in it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I remember people telling me things before we had our baby, but I felt like I knew, I just <laughs> knew, you know, yes. I don't say that it, support and advice and resources aren't useful during that pregnancy period related to preparing for being on parental leave. But I do think that addressing identity after you have a baby is really crucial to the puzzle as well. And it just feels so different. And that is exactly why I went into this postpartum depression was specifically related to like my ability to connect to the person I was before I went on leave to how am I going to return and still hit the level of expectation I set at the organization, Mm -hmm. because that's the level of employee, I kind of presented myself as and feeling like there was a disconnect from that. And just feeling like you just returned to work. Like there's nothing in between. I mean, you talk to HR a couple of times about when you're returning and then you just show up and it just felt so cold. Yeah. Yeah. And you show up with the expectation that you're the same person as when you left. And I think we're also seeing this when we look at the pandemic and we look at return to work and the future of work, there's like, you can't expect a mom to come in and be the same person as she was before she left for maternity leave. And just like, you can't post pandemic expect any worker to return to the office in person and be the same person that they were in March of 2020. Like we've all been through identity shifting events, mothers, especially, but when we go through these big, huge things, like HR can't just like set a date to be like, and we're back. (laughs) Like We're looking at like major, major identity shifts, which is going to shift how we show up, how we perform, how we output, uh, how we interact and how other people interact and see us and work with us. It's like, there's the ripples are significant. Yeah, absolutely. And that is, you know, companies are struggling with that. Yeah, Companies are trying to figure out like how to navigate that formula. 
and what will work and what will not work for their company culture, for what they've established during the pandemic, for what they want it to look like for the future. They're still trying to figure it out. And there's so many things being tossed around between the hybrid workplace to the four-day work week to work from anywhere. I mean, there's a lot of different options that companies are trying to grapple with in terms of what will work for their community. I think that a huge piece of that is in order to make decisions related to this, you have to have the employee community feel like they are a part of the decision. Yes. And some are doing good, a great job of that. And Mm -hmm. others, you know, I see the pain of having a very large organization and trying to navigate how to support sort of these options But there is a huge piece of when you get adoption for these things. And it is definitely with employee participation. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) On your website, you talk about the huge number of moms of zero to two-year-olds specifically who left the workforce during the pandemic. Can you talk about the significance of this data and what will be the lasting impact of so many women leaving the workforce over the Mm -hmm. last two years? Well, so, you know, the reason why I put that up there is this idea that The entry into parenting really has shaped how women return to work and Mm -hmm. if they return to work. And during the pandemic, obviously, it got way more extreme in terms of a less percentage returning to uh, their positions after parental leave. And what the implications of this are are really specific to how we look at gender equity, equality in the workplace, and what who represents like the next level of leadership. So whether that's entry level management to middle management to senior leadership, like these are all steps that you take in your career. And if you decide, or not decide if you're forced, because a lot of times it's not a choice Mm -hmm. that you can no longer be at that organization for many reasons, then, you know, that organization just lost an opportunity. They lost an opportunity. And what that does is we see in the data that women at high levels of leadership have a direct impact on the financial gains of an organization and the revenue that they have in a yearly basis. So when you take that away, you're impacting the company in so many different levels. And unfortunately, it's just not necessarily looked at that during that time. It's like, oh, they're building a, it's almost like that's, you know, when you do an exit interview, when an exit interview happens, there's all these different components to it. And I know this because I was a leader and I hired people and people left. And when you do that exit interview, you want to understand why. And a lot of times it's somehow excusable Mm -hmm. by the company, by the manager, by the HR team. Oh, they started a family. So that makes sense why they would leave. No, they should want to why don't they want to be here with their family? Why don't they want to continue on? And so the data shows that we have a lot of work to do to show employees why they should be with an organization while they're growing their family. Yeah, absolutely. I love that pointed 
example and what a deflection that is that like a company can be like, oh, woo, like wipe the sweat from our brow. Like, thank goodness this isn't about us. <laughs> yeah. Actually, maybe it's completely about you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They should, you know, the tenure of your team members is crucial to how successful your organization will be because the soft costs to train and retrain and have gender equality within the organization is really, really huge right now. What do you think is going to be, if we look like 10 to 20 years down the road, what do you think will be the impact of the women who are the vast number of women who've left the workforce? Can you like look into your crystal ball and tell us what will be the fall? And I'm going to say not the future. What will be the fallout of this? It is all the things that I said before in terms of, you know, the impact for an organization. We're not going to have as many creative ideas. We're not going to have, the companies are not going to reach revenue goals the way they would have. Gender disparity is going to be larger. Biases are going to be bigger. Parental leave will still be seen as a crutch versus an added value. And women will continue to not be represented within organizations at all levels. And so how they are treated will be challenged in many circumstances. And I say this, yes, that's absolutely something we're fighting against. So I think that there's opportunity for change and I see it. So I say this like, in a way that says, yes, that's the reality. Now, what do we do to actually change that reality? Yeah. And I think that the huge pieces to this is investing in value-added services that demonstrate that, like what we do at Learning Motherhood, but in addition, like how you look at parental leave policies and the importance of them. And you know what? I think the workforce is sort of demanding a different scenario now. So when you think of like the great resignation and what's happening with that and why employees are being more choosy on, you know, what organization they go with in terms of their next position, that's why it's so important when you're interviews to ask the questions, ask about what you need in order to really work there because you're interviewing that company as well. So the more they hear it, the more they need to change. And we do see some changes happening and it's great. I'm glad to hear like the discussion become a little bit more just at the forefront of media and news and really conversations like you and I are having. So it's great to see that. And so I don't want to say we're not making progress, but we certainly took a step back right before the pandemic in February of 2020, I remember actually putting together a social post showing that women had surpassed the amount of employees, like as a female gender versus the male gender. They, percentage wise, we were higher from like a hot um, minute. <laughs> like a hot minute. <laughs> so we can get there. But I also say like, we have so much work to do, even when we were, you know, slightly above for a short period of time, we didn't have new parental leave policies, which is something that organizations are evaluating right now. We didn't have the value added services 
to support new parents and working parents. So, you know, I look at kind of what the pandemic did. It put a magnifying class on the holes and the issues for parents to be able to pursue a career. And so hopefully what we've got for the next decade and so on is the ability to close those holes and really allow the whole person to show up to work, not hide who they are Mm -hmm. as a mother and being able to humanize that experience. Yeah, absolutely. You said a couple of things that I think are really important when I asked you to look into your crystal ball and you're like, here's all the things that I can see that could be happening in the next 10 to 20 years. If we accept this as this is what has happened and now here we are. And then you also pointed out that also there's people working and there's people like you at the leading the charge with learning motherhood and other organizations to make sure that we aren't just sitting in this data and letting an outcome happen without intervention. And so I think that we are in this critical place where we have an opportunity to really make sure that we do better and that we advocate for change, not just advocate that like we demand it. And that it just becomes normal and presumed that there will be space for people to show up with all of their identities safely in the workplace. And so that would be anyone from like a mom who might need flexibility in their schedule to maybe someone who has a religious identity and they need to stop and pray three times in the middle of the work day. Like having mm-hmm. flexibility in terms of all the ways that we show up as humans in the workplace, I think is something that we're just going to see more and more of. I do want to talk about paternal leave a little bit. And this has been something that I haven't spent a ton of time learning about the few things that I have heard have been really, really interesting. And I would love to get your take on it. So in a male dominated workforce, what's the significance of paternal leave? How does one stand up for it? And why is this, I think it's a hotter button issue than we fully realize. Yeah. I mean, simply if I'm going to be very simple with the first statement here is we bring men into the conversation. Yeah. Men are a part of the conversation. What is the significance of parental leave and how we stand up for it? Why is that so significant? It's really important to have them involved in order to destigmatize them going on parental leave. And so let's even take out the word like maternity leave and paternity leave and just call it parental leave. So it's not gender identified, it's parental leave. And the reason why I say that is because there's stigma. When Mm -hmm. I go out for maternity leave and I return versus, you know, my partner, my husband going out for paternity leave and he gets two weeks and then he's expected to be back and be the exact same person. And so if we bring in men to have accessibility to parental leave rights, they become a part of that experience at home. They Mm -hmm. get to bond with their child just, you know, in a way that they haven't had accessibility to in the United States that is so crucial and they get connected to all the things that require us to be parents and return to a career. They understand more, but they're also connected in a very unique way to what that feels like. Too often the one day parental leave for a man and 
you know, those that are able to take three months, four months off, too much of that lands on the primary caregiver at home mm-hmm. who's on parental leave. And what occurs is she takes on all, or he, whoever's the primary person at home takes on all that invisible load labor. Yep. And then somehow that person is going to return <laughs> back to her yep. and continue to take all that on. And yeah. so a lot of times what happens is, you know, if there is a way to make it work, women will say, I'm not going to return to work right now. I can't see how I can do both. Or I can't return to that position because that position is impossible for me to understand. So I'm going to leave that one and I'm going to look for something else. And so the company is losing out, but also if we stop stigmatizing this as a negative for going on parental leave and use it as a positive because male piece of this is that they're very much judged when they take mm-hmm. more than a couple of days off of yeah. work. They are judged that they're not committed to their company, that they're not going to be reliable, that they're not going to be able to meet the needs of the organization while having their family. And they fear for that themselves. So there's so many pieces to that, that we need to take down that stigma and just say, yeah, go take your leave, dad, go Mm -hmm. enjoy your leave and be with your family. And we can't wait to have you back when you return because We support you as your new role as a dad, and we want to be part of that journey when returning back to your career. We're here to be here to support you and lift you up, not to look at it as a negative. And the one last thing I'll say is like when a woman becomes a mother, all of a sudden this, all the whole scenario I just talked about is a huge reason for the pay gap, Mm -hmm. what is called the motherhood penalty. And it's very, very real. So, you know, it kind of hits on all levels. So it hits for so many things that can be helped with inside the home to redistribute the workload for both partners to get to bond with their new little one. And then it also hits on a financial standpoint, because if both of them are taking leave, when you go up for promotion, it's not that one person was out for four or five months, which by the way, is also not okay, but it things happen without the, everything's hidden through other sort of ways. So, you know, that person, that mom that took four or five months off and the dad that took two weeks off and they're looking at their performance, this all plays into yep. it, whether totally. it's consciously or not. Yep. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It can be absolutely unconscious. Everything that you said. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, 
a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. I wanted to also say that and add to one of the things I think that's so significant and makes this like kind of a hot button topic is that when men take leave, it's an opportunity for the company and that parent and their partners, their entire families to, you're taking a stand against the patriarchy. Like this is an anti-patriarchal move for a man to take parental leave because you are going against the systems that have upheld men and given men the ultimate power for as long as careers have existed. (laughs) And so it becomes, it's this, when you talk about the stigma, it's because you're having to override like what a man does and what it means to be a man and what it means to have a career and what it means to like have a career growing at a certain pace. And like you just said, like taking off two weeks, isn't probably going to jeopardize your career, but taking off multiple months while it might not jeopardize it, it could have impact. So it's, I think that's also taking this stand against patriarchal structures that harm men that we don't talk about. Like we talk about about patriarchy harming women and we can give examples all day long. The patriarchy also harms men in ways that aren't acknowledged and that also that need to be dealt with as well. And this is, I think, one of those ways. Yeah, absolutely. I live in a state, California, where the parental leave policy for the non-birthing parent is pretty generous compared to the rest of the country. And yet still they are taking, you know, days off, if not like maybe two weeks, but like heaven forbid a month. Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. I would never, you know? And so the stigma is really alive and well. And so when we're able to embrace and celebrate a family growth, that's part of the change that's needed. Yeah. So what are steps that we can, I'm imagining people listening to this and I'm sure that there's people who are like, now I want to go say a whole bunch of things to the HR. (laughs) So what are steps that people can take in having a voice around this topic in their workplace? So two things, first of all, this is really hard because this is extra work for someone. And Mm -hmm. I believe very wholeheartedly that you should get paid for extra work. So you know, keep that in mind when you're doing this. I speak to so many women that have just this courageous sort of outlook on changing the culture of an organization. And they're taking that on, on top of their already taxing job because they want to do, they have a mission. They feel strongly Mm -hmm. about it. And typically their mothers that experience Mm -hmm. something that they don't want other employees to experience. So with that in mind, I think just starting to have the conversation about like, what is the parental leave policy 
this is how I felt on um, parental leave. Do we actually cover both men and women or same sex scenarios where, you know, there is no birthing partner, maybe in an adoption or Mm -hmm. whatever, however, a family comes together, what is the policy around that? And just sort of like starting to be curious, I guess is the best way to do it. But I always like, sort of like, there is so much you could do in the terms of having an employee resource group for working parents and really starting to talk about different topics that are culturally happening within the organization and tips and all these different things that can incorporate that experience. But I say that, but with a caveat that you deserve to be paid for doing things like that. (laughs) You could see Kimberly on camera right now. She's getting like closer and closer to the camera, to the screen (laughs) for emphasis. It's like in all caps that last part. Um, I love it and totally agree. In fact, I was just talking to someone the other day about their position in uh, their women run ERG in the workplace. And they were talking about like how it's this new paid position for them and all these things. And I was like, thank God it's paid. <laughs> yeah. She was, yeah. It was phenomenal. Like I, it, we had this really great conversation and we were talking about the different ways that this has kind of created opportunity for her to step up in different ways in leadership, but like a whole new level of work in her work, like on top of her job that she does for 40 hours a week. And so at the end of the call, she's like, this is the first time I've done a call like this. Like, I hope I did. Okay. And I was like, you are a phenomenal and you are really good at this. And I'm so glad you're getting paid for it. And so it was, yeah, totally hear your point around that. So tell us about the work that you do in, you work with moms in learning motherhood. So talk about learning motherhood, talk about how you work with moms within the company, and then your hope as you, this company, as your company continues to evolve. Yeah. So we actually have two arms of the organization. So we work with all parents, not just moms, but one piece of the organization is directed towards an online community with a return to work series that I've mentioned. It's a a self-guided, I hate to say course, because I feel like that becomes like you're going to, I don't know, university or something, (laughs) but (laughs) like there might be homework. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, so, but I don't know how else to describe it. So it's self-guided and it provides the steps that you need in order to transition back to work and feel like you can thrive through that feel like you can have room to have all the emotions that you should absolutely deserve to have. And also acknowledging the logistics as well as the feelings of this transition. So, and then we have an online community that goes through all that experience of that postpartum, that first year. And then we additionally have our company programming, which is really kind of a huge part of the organization, which is really meant to be a value-added service to humanize the workplace and be the bridge between HR and the employee. Mm -hmm. So where the HR team really, they're kind of, their hands are tied in terms of how much engagement they can have during the parental leave timeframe. That's where we step in and provide that support. So the company is actually giving that support and allowing the employee accessibility to coaching to help that transition back to work, to access to a private community and online support through that postpartum period, 
And then also above and beyond that, whether that's company talks or events or workshops and trainings for managers to understand, like, how do I navigate parental leave when I have one person on parental leave? And then I'm asking my other team members to pick up that work. So we work through those dynamics because these are the idiosyncrasies. I can't even say the word, (laughs) Um, but these are all the the things that happen that create a lot of the stigma. So we're going deep into that um, to really make change within organizations and really come to support the employee and then also help the employer provide a supportive environment for the employee to return to work. So we consult with HR teams as well in terms of like their messaging and really, you know, as they're any organization is creating work, family friendly programming. How do you do that? And what does that look like? And how do we distribute that out? So really, I'm super passionate about it because I worked for such a large organization and I saw the holes and I don't think anyone was doing it like as maliciously not to support me. They just didn't know. And that is where I want to change that didn't know to actually really being able to retain parents in the workplace. Yeah. So would a client for you be an individual or a company or both? Both. Okay. So we can send, so I'm wanting to make sure I connect listeners in the right way. So if you wanted to work with learning motherhood, you could be reach out to learning motherhood and work with them directly, or you could go to your company and say, Hey company, you should be connected to learning motherhood because then as a company, there can be a bridge that the company has then put that in place so that individuals don't have to find you or not find you. And that the company has that in place as a structure that everyone can benefit from. Yeah. And we start that parental when you're actually, before you go on parental leave. So the period of time before that we provide coaching services to navigate that transition onto parental leave to help support the employer and the employee in terms of really giving that preparation. So the employee and the can be really present on their leave. And then the employer is able to really have a seamless offering to have for onboarding onto parental leave. So Mm. we call it onboarding and offboarding and it's really crucial so that the business is still running smoothly, whether they're there or not. And I think a lot of times there's a big struggle with that. And unfortunately there's a lot of disconnect and you come back to different scenarios that were not intended. So we help through that process. And then we also help during the time on leave and returning back to work as a way to humanize that experience. So there's all the logistical stuff, but there's the humanization of like what you're going through, like whether you're nursing or not, whether you're pumping or not whether you're formula fed or not, like whatever scenario you're in that transition, your nutrition for your body, sleep experts, relationship experts, postpartum experts. Like we have, you name it, we probably have an expert (laughs) related Mm -hmm. to support and they come into our- Oh, I went, when I was on your website, I was like, you have thought of everything. It was (laughs) a super impressive team. (laughs) Yeah, so- 
And that's available for an individual person, which is underneath our return to work series. You'll see it on there. And then it's also available for companies to give to their employees, which is a huge added value because oftentimes it's hard for me as an individual to invest in myself. Love that. I love that so much. I think that for people to have access to not to have access to these services are incredible, but I also think this conversation also was helpful in framing and reframing a few things, which I think are really important and looking at the future of work and looking at the, you know, taking us back 20 minutes ago, looking at like, what could things look like in 10 or 20 years and looking at opportunities rather than seeing obstacles and a gray cloud (laughs) to look in terms of more releasing opportunities for us to change the future of work to impact culture. I like to say be culture shifters and culture shapers. And I absolutely see learning motherhood being just a huge advocate in all of that. The thing I wanted to say was one of my takeaways and that I'm going to catch myself on now all the time is not specifying maternity leave or paternity leave and just really breaking, keeping it more gender neutral around parental leave. Every time you said it, I was like, just tapping more and more into like why that, that piece is really, really important. And so I want to also, I think words matter so much. So I want to invite people as they're thinking about takeaways from this conversation to really use that as one takeaway. Like how can we just shift one word that shifts a concept that also then shifts culture? And I think that's such a significant piece. I want to know Kimberly, how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. And is that meaning, meaning what? I leave it really open-ended and some people people are very uncomfortable with the open-endedness of it. So it can be anything that's related to something that's happening specifically in motherhood for you right now, or it can be something that's unrelated to motherhood. That's like you deciding that you are separating yourself from motherhood in a certain way to enjoy your life in a different capacity. Yeah. I think I'm just owning the fact that I love to have career a part of who I am as an identity. And yes, that means that my time is differently distributed in terms of time with our children. But um, I always like to look at time as something more specifically related to focused energy that you spend with your kids. And I always go back to this when I start to feel any sort of guilt related to an experience or something that I wish I could do or want to do. And I can't do it because of work requirements. I remember that focus time has a bigger benefit than just having all the time in the world to spend with your children. And so, you know, when I look at that on a day to day, And I feel that at any point, I remind myself of that and know that the time that I'm focused with them is way more precious than the amount of hours I spend in a day with them. Absolutely. Totally agree. Where can people connect with you, find your work, learn more about learning motherhood? Yeah. So you can find me at learningmotherhood.co. And you can find me on Instagram. We have a pretty active handle there at Learning Motherhood. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. We're really big on there. And then we actually have a podcast with a friend of mine um, or a colleague of mine from Working Mom Notes, Ashley. It's called Motherhood and Career Collide. So let me get a note. So Motherhood and Career Collide. Yep. 
We will add that to the show notes. So we will have everything that Kimberly just mentioned linked up in the show notes. So if you go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Kimberly Didrikson, and we will have links right there for you. Oh my goodness, Kimberly, so much good stuff today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this conversation, but more importantly for the work that you're doing out in the world and the impact that it will have for parents across the board. It's so important. And I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a a pleasure and I, I enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.